0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Talking. I'm Cheryl
1: and I'm Sherry
0: and we're two elderly SLPs who (laughs) want to bring up issues surrounding communication skills for kids. Um, As the weather gets a little more chilly, we know we're getting closer to Halloween here and the big trick-or-treat day is coming up and hopefully we can get uh, together and get a few more episodes going here. But today, we're going to talk about an issue that's super close to my heart. You know, having worked uh, as a speech-language pathologist at several facilities in the U.S. where they are closely monitored, and you have to write your goals in a certain way, and they have to be considered appropriate by the people that are doing the auditing so that you can get your funding, I really have strong feelings about functional communication and functional goals, and I know you do too, Cher.
1: I absolutely do. I think that uh, over the years, you and I have made a lot of phone calls back and forth and squeaked about the goals that we've seen students working on in the school system that we were alarmed at, (laughs) to put it lightly. But um, I know that uh, one of the examples we shared, uh, and we've got a few here to share with you, but you and I shared uh, a few years back was I had gone into a school and um, the student that I was seeing uh, was probably, I think maybe in about grade six and his IIP goal was to count orally from one to 50 and he had achieved that goal and his new goal they were supposed to be reviewing the old goal but his new goal was to count from 50 to 100 and that was one of his major communication goals in his IIP (laughs) and we so for people who don't know exactly what functional uh, goals or functional communication is is counting from 1 to 50 is like learning mary had a little lamb and i don't know how often you have used that in your adult life
0: the yeah
1: boom little lamb or how many times as an adult you've really had to count up to uh, 50 for anyone ever right <laughs> so.
0: and i'm guessing i'm guessing that Sorry. since i'm guessing since he was doing rote counting um, he didn't have one-to-one correspondence. Like, he couldn't give you five of something or three of something, which would have been no, more was, more functional. Yeah, not
1: tied to numeracy at all oh, in right, any way. Right,
0: yes. yeah, okay.
1: I think you and I have both had conversations over students that they've, they're trying to find sort of life skills or a functional skill that the child can do that's, you know, meaningful and have them fill the pot machines in the school. Mm. But my concern and my uh, criticism that i had over the years was seeing children who already had the skill and then that was just their job in the school or worse so it worse yet building anymore
0: yeah worse than it, if they have the skill it's to have the educational assistant actually doing the task and the student following along so it's then it becomes almost like well Someone in the school needs to fill the pop machine. It's going to be the educational assistant, and she's going to drag this student along every day. And the student is not gaining any skills. They're not becoming proficient at at this task. They're not doing it independently. It, it, it's just a it's just an activity that fills the hours of their day.
1: And I think if you can get your education team to sit down and go, you know. Th- yes that's an activity we want this child to learn or to vacuum i've seen kids vacuum in the school that they learn something but again that there's a beginning and an end to it and what is competency and at the point that they have competency then you need to go on to something else and not just we're going to be nice to this student let them do something fun in the school <laughs> You know, well, and, and there's,
0: yeah, there's <laughs> there's nothing inherently wrong with filling the pop machine. That's not the, the problem because there can be within that a lot of skills, you know, following a schedule, doing it independently, matching the, the various pops, where they go, um, you know, using the key, putting the key away. Like, there's so many, you know, activities within that, but either they need to be progressing in that skill development and you need to have identified what skills you want them to be able to do. And if they're not progressing or they're not doing it, then or they've done it, then let's stop that.
1: Yeah, there's something new and exciting for the student to be learning. Yeah. And using their valuable time for it in the school day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Another one and is when you have a student who's in grade seven and they've been working for four years on the R and the TH. But the student's major difficulty is that she's autistic and she just repeats what you say. So if you say, uh, where are you going to put your coat? She would say, where are you going to put your coat? Now, her speech is a little bit distorted, but her spe- <laughs> you can understand what she's saying. The issue is that she repeats what you say. So that seems to me to be a much bigger issue than saying her R's and TH's. And after four years, she's still not saying them. I just think, again, let's focus on what we're doing. It's like if you go to the doctor because you're having heart issues... And the doctor says, well, we need to treat this cold. You have a cold. I'll give you some cold medication. And
1: You also have a cold, yeah. yeah you also have I, I, a cold. I to treat the cold today. Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's just ignore the blocked arteries. You know, the fact that you're about to have a uh, heart attack here and just address this... Uh, uh, sniffles. Sniffles. Yeah, we can't have that. The whole... Um, Idea of immersion. I, I guess when we think about students with significant needs, I think they need significant interventions. <laughs> but sometimes what we do, and sometimes it's done in the name of socialization or whatever, is well, we'll we'll put them in with their same age peers. And I think, I mean, I have actually seen students in grade 12 who are functioning at the three-year-old level which and I mean a three-year-old can do many things but sitting through Julius Caesar or Romeo and Juliet or Macbeth is probably not one that they would enjoy (laughs) or get anything out of so uh, why we have to totally focus on why we're making them do
1: that And, and again it's, this is not a blanket statement, and the criticism across the board of all the the functional things that that are happening in immersion and and all those those there are some great examples of immersion happening in the in the school that's all around the province. But the fact remains that we are the eyes that are traveling around and see these examples and say there's still a lot of people who don't understand the concept and we've done our whole podcast on immersion so we won't delve into that but yes it's it's finding out what is functional for this child what's going to help them with their communication and as a life skill
0: yeah it's just getting to that accountability and ensuring that the goals and outcomes are measurable and that we have the intensity and frequency to meet them, and that there's some supervision here. And that the intervention, I guess one of the issues has been is that SLP services have been consultative, and you cannot just go in once a year, do an assessment, and hand out your goals and think that they will be implemented the The school staff need help. They need actual intervention. They need you there doing therapy so that they can see what it is you w- want worked on, how you want it done, and that it it's done correctly. Yeah. And,
1: and again, the there is a little bit of an ethical thing there uh, as with regards to job description and roles and scope of practice and those sorts of things people aren't supposed to be doing speech and language interventions in the schools without a speech path supervising them so going in with a consultative model doing an assessment and listing those goals is kind of tippy-toeing on the edge of of not the degree to which The the interventions will be carried out. The speech path should be ensuring that they are there and available to help them oversee the goals that they have.
0: Well, yeah, and and you and I can both cite numerous examples of being asked to conduct an assessment for a student with significant needs and then finding out that there has been an assessment done every year and then asking, well, what... And the, the goals have virtually remained the same. And then asking, well, well, how were these implemented? Did it work? Did you, you know, try this? And they, they were never tried. And it's not the fault of the school. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how, they don't have that kind of training to set it up, even when you outline it on paper. And the
1: staffing. Oh,
0: and the staffing, yes, exactly. Yeah, there's
1: no one to do it. The teacher's teaching, and unless she has a speech and language assistant in her class, and and should she be the one overseeing a speech and language intervention program? No, it should be the speech path. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So it's back to just absolutely, the, the topic that we're on is functional goals so first of all what is functional communication itself so we would say that it's the ability to communicate one's feelings and basic needs effectively so there are functional uh, functions of communication so uh, an example of that to put it another way would be um, can uh, I request something could I describe something could I convince somebody about something um can i share my thoughts with someone could i argue with them how about can i compliment people can i inform someone of something academic could i uh when there's a a problem could i clarify my view could i specify something when I'm at a store a hardware store can I be specific enough to tell someone exactly what I want can I throw in a comment do I know how can do I have the ability can I ask a wh question and when I say that I mean who what when where why right can I answer wh questions and be accurate when someone asks me well when did you go there and um, you say well Walmart well I asked you you know a different question and so again do do the people uh, the students that we're working with do they have the capacity for all these functions and one of the most important ones can they story tell or can they narrate because in a daily um, situation it's exactly what you and I have been doing. We've been narrating to each other and to our listeners the experiences we've had. And, you know, we've we've been trying to convince and we've been trying to to argue our point or whatever. So, again, the ultimate skills is to be able to do what we're doing here today, right? Right. Um, That's that's functional. Um, And so then, from there, it's...
0: What
1: are functional goals?
0: Well, first we need to do an assessment and, and gather information. So we need to know who is this student? What is their developmental age? So if again, if developmentally, their age is three, and they're in grade 12, there's not a lot of time left. So what can we squeeze in, in this last year, or sometimes they get to go to school until they're 21, maybe we have three more years, what can we fit in that's going to benefit them in the time that we have left? And then what is their potential for academic achievement? And there's a huge push in the schools to do academics, academics, academics. And I get that. And we don't ever want to give up on a student achieving academically but if your academic achievement is you can count to 50 it's just not going to get you anywhere
1: well and it, it is the you know how realistic it is for any child that we see who who have intensive needs or who are developmentally or, or cognitively or intellectually impaired or or any of those students who who won't achieve the levels of their peers it's the degree to which they should keep pursuing science or um, math or and you know the, the philosophy has changed a lot in the last i want to say 20 years in the time I've, I've been because there used to be major aspect recognized that children would need to develop what we call life skills
0: yes yeah definitely definitely and there were
1: little kitchens and little bedrooms in in every school so that we could learn life skills but um so in dealing with the uh, functional goals and developing functional goals um it's again the battle between the developmental age of the child and the chronological age of the child so um, what is an age appropriate goal for this child um, specifically Um, we want to know whether those skills are useful and required so again if you just use the litmus test there for counting to 50 is it useful is it required maybe not student parents and the school team and you know all the players need to agree to the goals so again that's where I think if you if you have those team meetings that are really working well, um, you can come up with those goals quite readily. And so uh, another question around when you're writing the goal would be, does it enhance this child's status in any way? Is it going to help them in their social life? Will it help them in um, leisure? Uh, activities in vocational um, settings when they go to get their job is this going to be something that they could use or in their activities of daily living would they need this skill and then uh, the probability we talked about this and the probability of the skill being acquired so you've got a grade 10 student and you're trying to teach them you know They've worked three years on speech sounds. and Are you going to spend that next two years on speech sounds? you got to think of, well, what is really going to help this child and what's the probability that they can get there? And then probably one of the biggest aspects of when you're just looking at that goal will this help this child to become more independent um and because that's what we're heading for every every parent who's parenting out there and every teacher who's teaching out there is trying to work towards that child gaining the skills to give them their own independence and move on in their life but overriding the whole ability to deliver and and follow through with um the interventions for functional goals is you need to know what time is available to work on on this? And what are the resources for working on this and the expertise? So will you have the manpower to do it? Will you have the time to do it? Will the school team uh, set aside uh, some of the goals that they have in academics to allow the child to, to build this skill? And is this what the child, the parents and students and everybody wants? So, um,
0: And that, that last point about the time and res- resources and expertise is is a practical consideration and obviously the main consideration but i would argue that it shouldn't be i would argue that we should come up with the goals and then come up with the time the resources and the expertise to do it cuz if we i feel like we do that on the academic side for kids in the regular stream right they we, need, we know we need to teach reading in grade one, so we allocate a teacher who has those skills. We allocate resources of a, a quality reading program. We allocate time in, in the teacher's schedule to do that. We, those things are there so that those academics can be obtained, and then, but we don't do that <laughs> when it comes to these more functional skills.
1: And again, it's just allowing you know I think the the allowing the whole system to um modify itself right or to to change so as time goes by um it isn't necessarily giving up on a child uh, that they you know uh not move as as you've said earlier not move through in science or or math or whatever but it's also saying you know when you're looking at a child's day what are they doing if you weren't doing this functional goal and what you tell me then what is more important that you would be doing in the classroom that you think the child can achieve something not just be socialized and sitting there and involved but actually that they would gain a skill um, right. And that that's where, again, I think that there's a lot of children sitting in school not working on what I would consider to be the most important skills that they need right. moving forward. Um, but, again, we're, we're not... It's not a blanket statement I'm saying here. Yeah, I, I tried to say that because I'm thinking there are listeners going, "Well, we do as best we can," and we're, and I know, I know that's true. Well, everyone, I yes, know that's true.
0: everyone is doing the best they can. I, I have no doubt about that. It's, it's
1: with, with their knowledge and what their that's their right aspects is, That's right. That's what this conversation is about: is to kind of educate and and have people think of things in a different way.
0: Yeah. So um, then we need to look at, you know, who is on the, the school team and um, we have, you know, SLPs and OTs and a whole host of people and and each of them has their own area of expertise and their concerns of things that they're looking at. And we're going to put all of this in the blog, but um, so I'm not going to go through each one, but you can guess what the SLP concerns are, you know, hearing speech sounds, you know, understanding language, uh, social communication, and the OTs, of course, one of the big ones is the activities of daily living, along with the fine motor and gross motor and regulation. So, um, again, we'll just direct you to the blog for to, to see those. And maybe you want to talk about the, the life skills, just briefly share.
1: Yeah, so... Again, when you're looking at functional goals and you start sort of shifting off the academics, I think that the the areas uh, can be put into categories uh, that you would then be, be looking at. Well, if they're not going to be on a strong academic screen, stream, what will they be doing with their time? So these are the kids, again, who need repetition and learning and more time spent on other skills that their peers may have already readily achieved and so if we're talking about general areas it's it's skills that everybody would use in lots of settings then i would the next category i would say is leisure skills as a life skill so what are all the things that this looking forward to this child's you know adult life what will they be doing with their leisure time what what would be their interests and how can we work towards developing the skills they would like to do and an example would be say swimming They're, they would like to be you know a swimmer the educational goals would be again around all the th- that's more focused on the academics right and and reading writing and uh, being able to to know about different concepts in math or concepts in science another area would be vocational and that's what what are the skills i'm going to need on the job and again maybe the child certainly doesn't you don't know what job they will wind up with but there are general skills that anybody would need if they go to a job like to be able to follow directions to be able to uh, come dressed appropriately and have the appropriate hygiene and all those those things and then the last area would be, again, the the, the OTs are probably the most pro- providers for this area of the skill development is all the activities of daily living. And that would be everything from, you know, brushing your teeth to, you know, knowing how to get on a bus. Again, we have in the blog written out examples in all of these areas but maybe Cheryl do you want to just touch on a few in the general readiness area you know so that these would be skills that any child should have in order to function in the world
0: well we've already talked about independence and I agree it's a key one no matter what skill you're you're teaching you need to know that this child can do it independently and I feel like far too often we're still and it's because the school staff are caring, they want to help, and so they want to help the child achieve, but the child really needs to do it on their own before we know that they have that skill. Um, and one that is a, a, a key communication uh, skill is that self-advocacy, asking for help, resolving conflicts, expressing what their wants and needs. And again, I feel like sometimes the school staff fall into more of a carer mode. And again, they want to care for that child. And we want to present the child with problems that they can problem solve. And then we want them to come up with solutions. And some of those solutions are asking for help. One of
1: the ones I know that you've spent quite a bit of time in, in the latter years is referencing. Maybe you could oh, give yeah. people just a little bit more understanding of how huge that skill is, and how it actually can be taught.
0: Well, yeah, so starting when children, I mean, I can go way back, this will be. This will get too long, but starting way back when children are sitting in a high chair, if they drop their spoon, they don't have object permanence, so they don't know that the spoon still exists. But if they have joint attention, that is, they're looking at what the other person is looking at, and they... They look where mom's eyes look. Mom's eyes are looking down, then they look down to where mom's looking. Oh, lo and behold, there's a spoon. That joint attention is the very first part of uh, referencing. And you need to be able to reference what other people... Are doing and thinking in order that you can regulate yourself during the day. So you have to be able to respond to those cues. So, for example, in kindergarten, I remember, I mean, this is a long time ago, but that first fire drill when the, it is so loud and sort of scary. You look around as a kindergarten student and you look at the other children, their faces are a little bit anxious, but then you look at the teacher, her face is calm, she's directing you to line up, the other kids are lining up, so you line up, you are referencing what everybody else is doing and that prevents you from running around the classroom screaming like a maniac, like you want to do because it's scary. But that's that responding to those cues that other people are giving out. So it's a key one and I, I love working on on that skill set
1: yes because again if a child develops that the air the skill again there's so many aspects of looking out around us to knowing things are okay and it's all of that around anxiety and and um, problem solving in a way isn't yeah it? and theory of mind is is looking at it from somebody else's viewpoint right right taking looking looking at it from their standpoint not just not, your own
0: yes not your own and of course making friends that's a huge one under social skills that everybody everybody wants their their child to have friends at school and have a a, a social life and you know go to the birthday parties and the sleepovers and that's just critical there are just so many so many aspects of of social skills that.
1: Right, right. Oh, yeah. General skills that a, a child may need in any over any setting, and these are also social skills. Are sort of in every setting, but they're they're um, it's a narrower category. Looking at the child's ability to relate to other people in a positive way, right. or with their environment in a positive way. So the next big category is then leisure um, skills as functional skills that we need uh, to learn and have in our repertoire and so they would be again things nowadays an absolute would be uh, probably tech i think most young people if you thought of looking to the future and what children are doing and what they would do as young adults and things they need to have the ability to be in the tech world and maybe uh, you know be able to handle a, a cell phone or a tablet or a computer, or, and also even the platforms. Then, the how do they? How much ability do they have, and should they have um, safe, safely to be involved in social media with TikTok and looking or going into a chat room or, or making their own podcast? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Or or some of the other games, and of course, you know, I don't have. Uh, uh, this level of uh, child in my life but things like playstation so these it include anything like your hobbies and and maybe you're a collector maybe you know um that you're uh, wanting to cook a lot of little people want to cook these days and be chefs and so you know will that be a leisure activity maybe it'll be a vocational one so uh, again we'll we'll leave that for now and if you want to know more about those areas then you can just reference
0: to our blog. Right. So then uh, we could move on to the educational skills. And I think we kind of know what those are, the reading and writing and academic vocabulary and accessing the internet, that kind of thing. And um, vocational, then we get on to, there's so many vocational skills. Again, one of my favorites, if you will, is following a schedule. And I again it's getting the student to follow their schedule independently without verbal or gestural or other cues they just see their schedule it's posted and they can follow it independently because that is going to be a job skill that they they might need and the social communication for vocational and problem solving and oh following directions is huge you got to be able to follow directions yeah And then what about activities of daily living?
1: So uh, again, yes, activities of daily living are really all of those areas that we take, almost take for granted and probably won't be taught in the academic uh, stream at all. Other children are learning it vicariously at home and they don't need help learning those skills. So they would be things like maybe toileting, how to use the the, the bathroom appropriately, uh, how to maybe also work with with money to be able to uh, handle um, some finances and uh, the value of money and how to count it out and know the value of things like is, you know, $60 for this makeup A goodbye or not Um, it might be uh, things regarding safety that other children uh, have picked up on and they don't need any help with it but this child's going to need several years of teaching in order to learn personal safety or environmental safety. It could be that they need explicit teaching with, you know, medical issues like how to express pain or knowing and understanding about their own body development or even, even going to a, an appointment with a doctor might be something that they need help in understanding and um, working through. So in activities of daily living, it. Would be more so in the field of the occupational therapist than probably any of the other uh, professional areas. So we kind of defer to them to help us out with that area. So, and so you can again look at all those those areas. So it's general uh, vocational. What were the other ones, good? General vocational, social, academic, leisure.
0: Yeah. Those
1: are the main main areas and we have them listed on the, the blog.
0: So what's our ultimate goal here, Cher?
1: Well, I think we're hoping that in uh, this conversation on functional communication and functional goals, that we open up the conversation of how we're going to get services to those students that need them in this at this level. Because for the most part we are totally focused on uh, early intervention in Saskatchewan which is good I think that that's the biggest bang for our buck with the resources that we have but it does say for grades two and up there's less and less access to the speech and language services and for children to ever get any intervention with their communication skills. I think even children that are identified and need the level of of intervention that an IIP outlines that those individual uh, education plans are cursory and really just obligatory we're just doing what the school asks but there's no programming and supervision of those programs
0: right we have the skills to provide excellent individualized targeted programming with outcome measurements but the Again, as always, the heartbreaking part is that these children are never or rarely seen by the speech-language pathologists. So, you know, when we see them in the schools and doing tasks that are, that we would consider not all that functional, it's so hard. And and again... And
1: I think... uh, Sorry, I was just going to enter your... Rejected. I think others might see us, too, as being quite hardened about, you know, holding firm to we can't see these children because we really don't have the resources to see them. And and it's because there's no point in seeing them for an assessment Yes. There's no point in just giving you some ideas of things to do. Um, it would be, again, as you say, someone needs heart surgery and the doctor says, well, I, I can't give you heart surgery, but here's the cardiac diet. Yes. We, can't, or, uh, we can't possibly write out how to do cardiac surgery or teach another person how to do cardiac surgery. You have to be a cardiac surgeon. So, you know, like I think I, I worry that people when we go into the schools and, and there are all these children that they recognize and we also recognize need need intervention but they really think, well, can't you just Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, um
0: yeah, and it's because again, we've we've touched on this already, is that our services, the speech language pathology services, are usually itinerant and consultative. And it, we know that we can't teach a child to read or learn math or science by just assessing them once a year and giving a report and leaving that at the school. Learning takes resources. It takes teachers and time and monitoring. And it takes people with skill who know what they're doing to do it. And you know, doing that assessment once a year, giving them a handout, giving them a report does not get it done. And like you say, we are in no way blind to these children and we don't want to seem heartless like, oh, well, I'm not going to assess that child. I'm not going to assess that child because they already have six assessments from the previous six years that all recommend the same thing that have never been done. That's why.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just a model that doesn't work. It's a model that's broken. Yeah. You know, uh, now what's happening, and you see it because there are not enough speech paths in the schools, and the the job descriptions are not attractive to speech paths, young speech paths, that the, the school divisions are turning to private practitioners to uh, backfill those services and to pro- try to provide something for those kids that they recognize need communication services or speech path services. But again I, you and i would challenge whether that is best practice it's going to be best practice if again you allow those those uh, private practitioners to come in and do intensive work work in your school work with your team do hands-on interventions to, uh, build capacity in your school use screenings and tiered interventions and all of those things But if you have someone who's coming in as a consultant and giving you some ideas on what to do with those kids, they're going to be faced with exactly what we're trying to stop, and that's perpetuate this model that that really has no outcomes. The other question is, and it's back to really our first uh, podcast: is what are kids entitled to? Do they have any? Are there any standards that are going to be put forward that says these kids should get this, or they, or they, um, by law, are entitled to appropriate education for communication disorders? Will will that? Can we get there? I don't know. I think there's there's no best practice occurring in Saskatchewan so then how do you get anybody to go oh well we really want this. I think you honestly you have to look to other provinces and see see what's going on with other provinces and some of the other things that are going on uh, to see what it is that you're missing. I think you know there's no opportunity for new uh new grads or new speech paths that are coming to our province to gain the framework to then use for their own um schools when they when they go out and are employed in in saskatchewan schools so they just there's no no model a best practice model for them to look at i don't know if you'd consider i mean not blanket statement there's little pockets and i say there's some things that we did in the school division i worked with that i thought were excellent and but i don't think that's the norm
0: no i would agree so what what are we asking of our listeners today sherry
1: well i guess it, it again is what is your experience what are you experiencing out there and up with regards to functional communication goals and are you able to see any of those children and do you agree that they require the intensity that we're speaking of and those those sorts of things i, I my when it comes to you know fighting for services and thinking well you know we can change this and i i still think that uh, in my own personal you know assessment of where the funds are going in the province I I, I would hope that these kids and these services are as important say as uh, the divided highway I see that went up between Prince Albert and Shelbrook I think a lot of money was poured into that and I'm thinking was that more important than, than these little guys getting services so if I was at the the table of where you're deciding on where the tax dollars should go I I'd like this to be on the table and uh, or or the recent there's been a lot of money and resources and time spent on on the pronoun use in school. Well, I'd love to see this just zoom up and be uh, now that that one's sort of resolving itself a bit. I'd like to see this these issues become the conversation. What about you, Cheryl? Have yeah. you
0: got any... Well, yeah, I, I guess I was thinking the same. You know, when I think about the money and the time and the resources that went into the Regina Bypass, it, it, you know, it, it looks great, I've used it, it's fine, but I keep thinking about these kids. Ultimately, if we can get these kids to be independent in at least some aspects of their lives, the quality of their lives will be improved immensely, and the cost to to the taxpayer will be lower because they'll be more independent, they'll be more employable, and they'll need less services. So I guess I would love for our listeners to join the conversation. You know, if you're interested, speak up because it is just one ripple and then another and then another because we're here speaking up for those who just wish they could, I guess, I guess that's what I'd like to say today. And for Let's Talk Talking, I'm Cheryl.
1: And I'm Sherry. Let's, Let's talk. talk.